The gospel this morning comes from the gospel of Mark. The holy gospel according to Mark. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice, but a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. This is the Gospel of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in on this, the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, aka the third Sunday of Lockdown Tide. Today for our reflection, I want to walk through this Gospel reading talk through the tensions within the interpretation of scripture, and finally share a bit on why showing up in church matters to me. So let's just skip straight to the good stuff. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. So we have Jesus, who has traveled into Gentile territory, um, and a Gentile woman shows up asking him to heal her little daughter. And Jesus says, this food is for the children, not for you dogs. Now, when I first read this passage decades ago, I was taught that Jesus always intended to heal this Syrophoenician woman's daughter, and Jesus was using this opportunity to teach his disciples and us that the good news of God's kingdom does not have a firm border, but is for all people. Several years ago, I encountered a slightly different reading of this passage. The line of this interpretation goes something like this. Jesus is fully human, and humans are steeped in broken and imperfect systems. And Jesus was a culturally bound human, which Stephen's sermon several weeks ago on St. Mary and our descetic tendency emphasized. So maybe Jesus had to unlearn or grow to see beyond the socially constructed lines of race, ethnicity, culture of in versus out. Each of these interpretations is a bit unsettling. On the one hand, we have Jesus being a little bit deceptive in order to teach a lesson at the expense of this woman. And on the other hand, we have a wee bit racist Jesus. And then if we dig further into our exegetical toolbox, we find a feminist reading of this text that says, perhaps our focus is not even meant to be on Jesus in this story, but instead we should be looking up to the woman for her importunity, her cleverness, her fearless ability to engage in the witty repartee for the sake of her daughter. Indeed, she is the only person in Mark to call Jesus Kyrie, the Greek word for Lord. Surely that has to mean something. So who's right? What's the real meaning of this passage? We have a few possibilities for the right way to read this text. What then is the truth? What do we do when we come to a text like this? I've sat through many Bible studies, and even indeed led Bible studies, where we are given a passage that we have read one way, and then the leader says, ah, no, but you've got it all wrong. 
This is the way to truly interpret this passage. These are the things to pay attention to. And our eyes are finally open to the divine truth as it's been dropped down from heaven in a mighty wrapped box. My friends, that's not how scripture works. And yet, that's the way we treat scripture. That's the way we treat religion. If we can just get the right interpretation, if we can just get the thinking right, if we can just get all our theological ducks in a row, then we've solved it. Let me tell you about the real Jesus or the real Christianity. The reality of our world is that we can't think ourselves to holiness. By and large, we don't think ourselves into being better people. As humans, that's not how we work. The philosopher Alia Al-Saji writes about her husband, a liberal Frenchman who in the late 90s saw the Muslim veil only as a symbol of oppression, of patriarchy, and of backwards thinking. No matter the verbal reasonings and rationale she gave, she could not change his mind. And yet after living with his Muslim wife and her family for some years, some who wore the veil and some who did not, when the 2004 bill came up proposing to ban the hijab from schools, he was not only critical of the proposed law, but his previous attitude seemed foreign to him. It wasn't her verbal rhetoric or persuasive skills that had changed his mind, but the experience of collective living with difference. It's that experience of collective living that brings difference. I grew up in Texas as a Southern Baptist, a, a denomination well known for their dogmatism, their conservatism being anti-alcohol, anti-abortion, anti-dancing, and of course being anti-homosexuality. And for years, I believed that being queer was a choice to disobey God. Or maybe it wasn't a choice, but anything beyond celibacy put you on that one-way train to hell. But then I met people who are gay. I met people who are trans, people who are queer, and I realized I'd been wrong. I saw the humanity of their love. I saw the beauty and kindness and faithfulness. I didn't read a book and change my mind. I didn't have a Damascus Road conversion moment. I can't tell you what it was other than friendship. It was through life together that the truth that I felt in my bones shifted. In that experience of collective living, I saw difference and something, somehow, over several years, shifted. So what does this have to do with Jesus and the pagan woman? As you probably guessed, I'm not going to tell you that one reading is right and the others are wrong. I think they're all valid interpretations of the text, and I think that's beautiful. There are tensions in the story, and these tensions are reflected back into the way we approach the story. The tensions are mirrored, mirrored in the ways we want to see the text, the ways we want the text to bend to our preformed dogmatic or social justice commitments. And we carry these tensions of humanity as a church. And this is what diversity is for. Not to look good for the brochure or the website. Not only because we don't see color or we've learned to hashtag coexist, but because diversity and difference and disagreement allow us to be a fuller witness to our triune God. We so desperately want to be right. We so desperately want to be part of the in-group. 
We so desperately want some kind of moral high ground. And yet this passage, whatever your main takeaway, is about people who are different. People who are different who show up and meet and argue and leave each other with a little more healing and a little more wholeness in the world. I want to be careful here and add that there are ideas and ideologies that are harmful. I don't want to dismiss the pain that religion has caused and continues to cause. The church is a church of bodies, and the church is the church when bodies show up. The church is the church when we connect, when we engage, when we disagree, and when we refuse to let our difference get in the way of showing up. And it's not always easy to show up. Especially when you're the one carrying the difference, whether it's queerness, darker skin, a different passport, difference of ability, neurodivergence, an empty bank account, or a traumatic past. Thank you for showing up. You are the church, and you belong. Whether or not you believe Jesus was a racist, you belong. Whether or not you believe that Jesus was fully human, you belong. Whether or not you even believe in a God, you belong. The challenge from this text, the great challenge, is to keep showing up and speaking up. To keep showing up through the difference, in the difference, being the difference. Showing up in love. Speaking up against fear of those not like us. Speaking up against homophobia, against extremism, against Islamophobia, against other forms of xenophobia where we cast others outside our circle. May God give us ears to hear the word we need to hear. Amen.